Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Good morning, church. How are you? Isn't it amazing to uh, have the technology that we have that we're not all pros at? Uh, but I want to give a shout out to the incredible team you don't see every week that are in the building uh, making church happen. There are so many people here that come in here every week uh, and, and put church on through band, through cameras, through sound, through the multimedia and live stream. There's so many people that make this happen uh, and they're incredible people. So in the chat, just let them know how much you appreciate them because without them and the team here doing an incredible job, uh, there'd be no church at home for you to watch. And that would probably be the saddest thing to happen right now. Don't you agree? I think uh, Shane and Rach are on their way back down slowly through Queensland. They might be taking a detour because they might not want to come back to New South Wales right now in the lockdown, but uh, they're enjoying a lovely time of rest on their long service leave, which is an incredible opportunity for them. Uh, and so if they are watching this, hello, Shane and Rach, you're doing an incredible job. Uh, come back, please. We need No, <laughs> we're doing amazing. And the team and the staff here are doing an incredible job as well. This morning, I'm going to be continuing our series on Unshakable, and we're looking at unshakable generosity, but not only generosity from the point of uh, giving and finances of time and things like that, but uh, stewarding what we're given, what we are trusted with from God, with our God-given gifts and talents. And I want to ask the question this morning, are we stewarding what we're given well? Are we given uh, gifts and talents from God, and are we doing the best we can with them, or are we just ignoring them this morning? So as we go through that in the next 20, 25 minutes, I want you to join with me. Uh, flick your Bible open to Matthew 25 and look for the parable of the talents. That is where we'll be reading from. Uh, but I was doing some research into uh, the parable of the talents this week, and who knows that the internet is a, a bit of a weird place. You can get distracted or you can get really distracted and you can end up down somewhere watching a cartoon cat fly through space with rainbows and then you wonder how you got there in the first place. Uh, but I was doing some search on talents and the parable of the talents and then all of a sudden this thing popped up that was 10 weird talents you might not know about. And of course, being the good Christian man that I was preparing a message, I was stronger and I resisted the temptation to watch that video. No, I didn't. I watched the 10-minute video of 10 talents that you didn't know about. So let's play a quick game this morning called Talents or Trash. And in the comments, I want you to let me know what do you think. Is it talent trash or is it talent? We will decide that. So number one is there is a man who can get kicked in the crotch without injuring himself. Now, I know that being a soccer player growing up, that would have been helpful, uh, but there's this man named Yong Hushui, a Shaolin monk. Uh, he appeared on the, British, uh, the Chinese version of Britain's Got Talent, so I'm guessing China's Got Talent, I don't know, uh, demonstrating his ability to get kicked in the crotch without suffering energy, injury. Sorry. He told the audience, Steel Crotch Kung Fu, yes, that's what it's called, Steel Crotch Kung Fu is an ancient art with roots stretching back to ancient China. It is a practice to strengthen and protect the male genital organs so there's less chance they're injured in battle. What do you reckon? Talent? Trash? I think it's a talent, personally. I don't know. That's a bit weird. Uh, number two is there is a man who can burp at 110 decibels. Now, that's, that's pretty loud. To give you a, a time, uh, sorry, a, a reading to go off in church on Sundays, we, we hit around that 90 decibels with the band playing behind us. So 110 decibels is pretty loud. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that that one is just trash. That's not a talent at all. Uh, this one is weird. If you are someone that does not stomach things well that are a bit gross or a bit maybe switch off for a second, hit mute on the TV, and I'll give you the thumbs up when you can come back. There is a man who can pull a minivan using his eyelids. 
He's a stuntman. His name is Ji Zhongkai in Hefei, China. There's a lot of weird things coming out of the Chinese country there. Anyway, that's fine. Uh, so his first talent was he pulled a car with his earlobes, uh, and then that might sting a little bit, but then he took the next level and he began to pull a minivan attached to his eyelids. Weird, right? I'm going to say that that is a gross talent, but potentially trash. Uh, if you switched off there, you're good. You can come back. This one's not as gross. Uh, this, oh, actually, no, it is a little bit gross. There is a man who can squirt milk from his eyelids. Uh, it's one of the most bizarre world records. It's in the Guinness World Book of, Book of World Records. The Turkish construction worker poured milk into his hand, snorted it up his nose, and squirted it, here we go, 9.2 feet. 9.2 feet. I'm like six foot two, so that's more than me. That's quite a distance out of his eyelid. That's just gross. Uh, so that's definitely trash. And then this one's a bit of fun. There is a, a professor over in England that has the ability to draw a perfect freehand circle. I watched the video. It's quite impressive. He lines up on the whiteboard with a marker in his hand, and he just goes, woo, like that, and it's a perfect circle. Every time. It's, it's weird, and I'm going to say that is definitely talent. Uh, but we're not going to go through all ten because there's some weird ones in there that gross you out. But these aren't the talents that I'm talking about this morning. Uh, God's given us all talents and gifts that are a little bit uh, less unique than pulling a minivan with your eyelids, but way better for the kingdom and the world we're in today. Uh, so let's read from Matthew 25, verse 14, the parable of the talents. It's a little bit long, but we'll get through it together. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he, had then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts for them. So he who had received five talents came and brought the five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me with five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, you good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of our Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered me with two talents. Look, I gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enjoy, uh, enter into the joy of your Lord. It goes on verse 24. It said, then he who had received one talent came to him and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there, have what is yours. But the Lord answered him and said, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers at my coming. I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take that talent from him and give it to he who had ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even when he has, what he has, sorry, will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A bit intense there. But number one of the point I want to make this morning, there's three points if you can stay with me just for the next 20 minutes or so, is number one, talent takes time and commitment. We need to do one thing here, and, and that is to split talents between our natural talents and our spiritual gifts. And I think it's important to know that I'm not just talking about our natural gifts this morning. I'm not just talking about 
what we can do physically, uh, whether it's playing drums, whether it's singing, whether you're good at writing poetry. I'm also talking about, uh, let's say, our spiritual gifts that God gives us and he's told us about in the Bible. They all fit into this category of talents. J.C. Ryle says this, he said, anything whereby we may glorify God is a talent. Our gifts, our influence, our money, our knowledge, our health, our strength, our time, our senses, our reason, our intellect, our memory, our affections, our privileges as members of Christ's church, our advantages as possessors of the Bible, all, all our talents. Whence came these things? What hand bestowed them? Why are we what we are? Why are we not the worms that crawl on the earth? There is only one answer to these questions. All that we have is a loan from God. We are God's stewards. We are God's debtors. Let this thought sink deeply into our hearts. Now, I could just read that there and leave that, and that's the end of the sermon. Have a great morning. See you next week. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? But see, ever since creation, Genesis chapter 2, 15 says that the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. We were created with a purpose to work. We were created with a purpose to use what God has given us, every aspect of our talent and our being, for the good of God and the kingdom. But talent takes time and it takes commitment. Take Michael Jordan, for example. If you don't know who Michael Jordan is, hit pause now, come back to this later, go watch Netflix and watch the, uh, the series on the Chicago Bulls and you'll learn a bit about him, right? He's an incredible basketball player. And then when you come back, we'll continue with the word of God. That's fine. Uh, but in his 1,072 NBA games, right, he's played that in his career of 16 years. That's a lot of basketball games. He's had 214 wins attributed to him and his name. And he said this. He said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and have missed. I failed over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? That this guy, this legend of the sport that is attributed to so much of basketball and, and the way it is shaped today, considered his success from his failures. And that's what it's like in our lives. If we are to succeed, we need to sometimes fail and not get everything perfect and right. But we need to do something with what God has given us. If we're thinking in terms of the talent and the abilities and the life that we've been given by God, then we should be doing something with that. And if we fail, that's okay. If we mess things up, that's okay. But at least we are doing something with what God has given us. And over time, we'll continue to refine it until God's plan comes to pass. Verse 19, Matthew 25 says, After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The master was gone for a long time. Not a week, not a day. He said it was a long time. So these servants had the choice of what they would do. They had the choice of immediately probably stress them out when they were given this money, that they choose to do something with it, or they choose to work with it for time and commitment and potential risk, or they choose to do nothing with it. They had to a choice to invest, to trade, to purchase, or to bury it in the sand. I've heard this theory uh, talked about in, in Christian leadership, and it's funny how like time and talent and leadership all kind of intertwine, uh, but I've heard this theory, uh, I can't remember who it's from, so I'm just adopting it as my own now, uh, but it's called the five-year rule. And it goes like this, it says, give whatever you're called to do your best for five years, and then make them the best five years of your life, and then you make the decision. It doesn't mean you just get given uh, something. You, you get given a leadership responsibility. You get given an opportunity to share the word of God with someone and you just go, eh, no, that's not for me, I'm done. But if we gave it five years of our lives and gave it the best 
five years that we could. We gave everything to it that we could. Then we made the decision to go, yeah, no, I think this is what God's called me to do. I think this is something that I can do well with my life. The five-year rule. How easy is it to get something, uh, a gift, or try and learn a talent or something like that and just quit after one lesson or one week? Instead, give it time and commitment. What are you putting into what God has given you? Bill Gates says, people overestimate what they can do in a day, but underestimate what they can do in a year. Talent takes time and it takes commitment. The second point is that God gave me according to my own ability. Verse 15 says, And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. According to their own ability. It's okay to know that your ability might be less than someone else's. It's okay to know that you might have some more potential in this area than you do in this area. Did you ever have that friend in primary school that maybe at the sports carnival or swimming carnival uh, growing up in the country, that was the highlight of our school life when we got to walk down the road to the swimming pool and spend a day there instead of in class. It's my favourite day of the year uh, because I wasn't good at swimming, but I was tall enough to get to be the support swimmer and help the kids that couldn't swim. So I just got to spend the whole day going up and down the pool cruisy and make sure that if someone needed help, I just went, hey, let's go off to the side. It was great. Anyway, but if... if you were in that scenario and a friend came to you and he said, oh, can I have five bucks to spend at the canteen? And you lent him five bucks. That's fine. And he said, oh, I promise I'll pay you back. I promise I'll pay you back. Who had that friend that promised to pay them back every time? And then one week passed and two weeks passed. Hey, mate, you got my five bucks? Six weeks passed, nothing. You, just, you gave up because you went, they're not going to pay me back. That's, that's it. Uh, but then next year, the swimming carnival rolls around and he said, hey, can I have five bucks? And you're like, yeah, no worries. Here you go. He's like, I'll pay you back. I promise. He's like, no worries. Who's the silly one there? That you lent the five bucks to someone who, uh, who, who didn't return the five bucks last year and now you're out $10. Uh, but we give to people based on their ability. And it's okay because everyone's ability is different. Your ability to steward $5 and return it to someone that lent it to you might be different to someone's ability to lend $500 and return it to that person. The master in this story wasn't stupid. He knew that each of his servants would do something different with what he gave them because their abilities were different. If he'd given one talent to the servant who he gave five, he would not receive a bigger investment as he would have just as if he'd gave five talents to the one that he gave one, he would have lost more money in return. He knew that they each had their own capacity and their own ability, and he put them in charge of what he knew they were capable of. Just the same as God gives you what he knows you're capable of. He doesn't give you any more than you can handle. He doesn't give you any more than uh, he believes you are capable of. It's easy to look at the guy in the story that only got one talent and go, oh man, poor guy, he only got one, that sucks. Everyone else got five or two. But the master knew that if he gave him one, that was all he was capable of. And in, in the end, he wasn't even capable of stewarding that well. God gives us the ability and the talent according to our own capacity to handle Nothing more, nothing less. Uh, in, in, our, in our church right now, we could have a church of over 3,000 people. I'm sure there's 3,000 people in the Shell Harbour, Illawarra region that are needing Jesus and need to be saved. And we could have that in this building, not right now, but in this online context. But the truth is that at the moment, we probably wouldn't be able to steward that to the best that we could. We would not be able to look after 3,000 people in the right way. And so therefore, God has entrusted us with the people that we have in our church now. But the thing about that is he knows that our capacity can grow. 
He knows that once we steward 400 people well, that then it becomes 500 people, and it becomes 700 people, and on and on, to the point that our capacity can grow with God's ability over our lives. Do the best with what you can handle with what's God, God, what God has given to you. Sorry, I got tongue-tied there. If you have the capacity to only influence and reach out to five people this week, do that. If you have the capacity and the ability to only reach out to one person this week, do that, but do it with the best of your ability. You see, at the end, when the master settles the accounts with the guys, he says, well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I'll put you in charge of much. God grew the capacity in this man's life after that. He gave him the opportunity to steward more next time. What's God going to do in your life to allow you to steward more next time? My final point, number three, is this. They were judged by what they did, not their quantity. In other words, they were judged by quality over quantity. See, it's so important and it's so easy to think when it comes to being judged or settling accounts, uh, telling what we did, we, we do things in numbers. Ah, we had 17 people at Connect this week or we had uh, 300 people show up to this event. You know, I've stopped talking to people when people ask me, oh, how's the young adults going in the church? I've stopped saying, oh, we have this number of people at our Connect and this number of people on a Sunday night because I would rather say that we have this quality of people in a community investing in one another. I would rather the quality of our young adults be that of people that reach out to one another, that connect with one another, that invite people in, as opposed to having 300 of them that all just come and attend and then leave on a Sunday. It's all about quality, not quantity. See, the unfaithful servant who didn't lose any money, the master was not worse off than when he started. He didn't go backwards in his investment. Verse 26, it says, But the Lord answered and said to him, You are wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. He didn't waste the money. He didn't lose the talent. He didn't get rid of it and, and then the, the master was out of pocket, but he wasted an opportunity that he was given. If all he had done was taken it from the master's house to the bank and invested it, he would have got at least a little bit of interest back on that, therefore would have been profitable for his master. But he wasted an opportunity. He quite literally had it handed to him and he did nothing with it. What are you doing with your own ability in your life? Are you wasting it? Are you burying it? Or are you stewarding it to the best you can? If we were going to go to heaven tomorrow and Jesus came back, could you honestly say to him, I did the best with everything I could. Everything you gave me in my life, I did my best. Or did you waste an opportunity in your life? To steward our gifts properly. We see the servant that was given five talents. And what did he do? He risked it. It said he went and he traded with them. He took a risk. This journey from the master's house to wherever he went and traded, uh, I, I imagine walking around with that amount of money in his pocket would have been a little bit scary. I sometimes get scared when I walk around with a couple of hundred dollars in my wallet and I think that someone's going to mug me for sure. But this guy had the equivalent of five years worth of wages. That's what, what the Bible tells us uh, a talent was worth, or, or scholars tell us that, sorry. He could have been mugged. He could have come back with less talents. He could have invested and lost. He could have done so many things with it and it not panned out. But what he did was he at least did something. He took the risk and he invested. He traded. But the point is he did something with it. It's not about whether we use our talents and succeed every single time. 
You know, we see these, this incredible worship team serving here week in, week out. And as far as I know, I haven't checked with them all this morning, but as far as I know, maybe Dave Andrews is an incredible drummer that drums for a touring band on the side of stage. I don't know that for sure. But as far as I know, this team aren't incredible musicians that are paid for this living, that are rock stars, that are signing autographs, that are making millions of dollars. They're not doing that full time, but it doesn't matter. What they're doing is they're using their gift that God has given them to serve and they're doing something with it. They're not just burying it in the backyard. I guarantee that when the master had come back, if the guy with five talents had said, Master, I took your five talents, I went and invested them and I only gained two more, he might have been like, oh, two instead of five, that's a little bit annoying. I didn't get as much back as I, I thought I might have, but at least he tried. At least he did something and he gained something. They were judged by what they did not by the quantity of what they gave in return. And as I conclude this morning, I want to ask you this question. What's in your hand? We see in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, God's talking uh, to Moses and he says this to him. He says, uh, he talks about the ordinary shepherd's staff in Moses' hand. But what he does is he uses this ordinary shepherd's staff to fulfill the extraordinary. The staff goes on to be a sign of God's authority, God's power and deliverance of the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Something as ordinary as a stick, God did the extraordinary with. Left in Moses' hand alone, it's just a staff, but placed in the hands of God, it becomes something miraculous, something far beyond what we could even comprehend or imagine. What has God placed in your hand this morning? What has God given you in your life? Do you listen to the world that says you can't trust the heart of God because He isn't for you? Do you listen to the media and the world that are saying everything is so horrible right now? How could a God let this happen? Or do you listen to the Word of God, the Scripture that we read and we so evidently see that God is for you, then who can be against you? So what has He placed in your hand this morning? What has He given you to work with in your life and what are you doing with that? I want to encourage you this morning as we wrap up and pray in a second. If you think that God has given you the ability to encourage people, do that. Right now, more than ever, people need encouragement. People are feeling lonely. People are feeling lost. And right now, if you have the ability to reach out to one people or 15 people and just say, hey, how are you doing? I think you're a great person. I think that you're really talented at this. I believe God has plans for you. If you can do that for just one person, I believe that that will change their life in incredible ways. Maybe your ability is to uh, cook incredible home-cooked meals. Imagine if you could just do that for one person that then in return went, hey, that's awesome. I might cook a meal for someone else. If God's given you a gift in your life, whether it's big or whether it's small, do something with it and see what God does with it in return. So this morning, I just want to pray as we conclude and I want to pray that God uh, can show you these gifts and these talents in your life this week. Maybe you're wondering, oh, God hasn't given me anything. God hasn't shown me my talent, my uh, whatever he's entrusted me with. This morning, I want to pray that God reveals that to you. This morning, I want to pray that we are stepping out of our comfort zone, that we are reaching out to people, that we are doing everything we can with what God has given us. So right now at home, wherever you are in the lounge room, in your office, in the kitchen cooking, why don't you just take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes with me. Lord, we just thank you that you're a God that trusts us with so many things. You're a God that is loving, that has our best interest at heart, Lord. And we thank you that, that this morning, right now, you're speaking to people and you're encouraging people with their gifts. God, prompt people, encourage them and share on their heart right now what it is you've given them in their life. 
And Lord, give us the boldness and the courage to use those gifts this week. In whatever way we can, whether it's a phone call, a text, a home-cooked meal, whether it's uh, offering to pray for someone, whether it's just praying for them and sending them a text, Lord, encourage people, prompt them this week to do so. Lord, we thank you for your incredible love and your incredible mercy in this time, Holy Spirit. You are the God that is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You have gone before us and you continue to. Lord, we thank you for that right now. And if you're watching at home and this is your first time uh, watching church or you'd like to connect with us or get to know more, Rachel's going to give you some ways to do that in a second. But I want to thank you for tuning in online with us this morning. I know church looks different, uh, but it's incredible that we can still join in this online community. But I'm just going to hand back to Rachel now so she can uh, tell you where to head to connect with our church better.